what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. I'm with the band, your front row ticket to interviews and jam sessions with up and coming artists. This is Chad Austin, and this month's episode of I'm With The Band features one of the founding members of the Squirrel Nut Zippers, Catherine Whalen and her Fascinators. With her new album, Madly Love, due September 27, 2011, Catherine Whalen is gearing up to grace us with her wit and charm in musical storytelling. Let's listen. Today in the studio, we have Catherine Whalen and the Fascinators, and I'm glad you guys could make it today. Why don't we do introductions around the room? We'll start with Mike Wine. Hello, baby. This is the Big Bapa, Mr. William Dawson. <laughs> Hi, I'm Catherine Whalen. And I'm Brad Porter, Mike Four. Now I seem silly because I made a big joke at the beginning. Everybody I was going to say, was silly, right? Right? <laughs> cool. and he drives you crazy. Across. <laughs> Now, you're missing one other member today? Our guitar player, Nathan Golub, couldn't make it on this little so we tour get, of hickory. <laughs> Do we get to make fun of him because he's not here? Yes, Is there mercilessly. Any, anything that uh, we can start with on making fun Ooh. of him with? He's very tall. He's very tall is what I was saying. He likes to say. cuddle on the road. Brad, and because when we're on the road and we have a room, there's two beds. You know, Catherine and I have one bed, and Brad and Nathan have another. <laughs> and... Brad's the little spoon, and Nathan's the big spoon. And <laughs> I'm his road wife. Let's just go straight into the this, funny this band anecdotes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, the start of your solo career. Okay. Okay. And I'm talking to Catherine for anybody who can't uh, see. Uh, your first solo album was the uh, the Jazz Squad. Yes. And very old school. Yes. Very jazz b- standards. We tried to pick some sort of obscure ones, but... But so definitely just jazz standards, yeah. So why that move in that direction? I know that, that, was, that Billie Holiday was a big influence on yeah. you. Yeah, that actually was a project um, really for me to get to be a better singer. I had never sung with a piano. I had only ever sung with guitar player and really wanted to explore singing with a piano because there's all these other notes and all this other stuff to work off of. Really? What was so the discrepancy? It's just different. Um, we just put that band together to basically for a little uh, school for me and made a great record. It's an awesome record. Thank I, you. I love I'm it. I'm proud of that record. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of a, a jazz club I was into in, uh, in Charleston. Mm-hmm. Very nice little atmosphere. Yeah. No, the Fascinators were not with you at this time. I did not know these gentlemen at that time. Okay. But yeah, we put that band together. It was some members of the Zippers and some other people too from Chapel Hill area. And we did a bunch of pre-production, so we were really ready when we went in the studio. That's what I was going to ask you next. So was it live? It was pretty much live. Wow, that's tough. And we did all our pre-production just in a little attic room and got it really tight. 
Well, it was. It's extremely yeah. tight. It's well done. I am proud of that. Well, you record. should be. We had a very good drummer on that record. Amen. Yeah. So Teddy Zaris. Yeah. He's now a weatherman in Wisconsin he or something. He always wanted to be a weatherman. He did, yeah. Well, Fabulous I, drummer. I am a closet meteorologist. <laughs> <laughs> Most now, humans are, I think. Well, now, where do these guys come from? Well, I met William. He came into the Zippers when we were uh, reformed a few years ago. We were, went back on the road for about three years, and he was our guy that played everything that no one else played. He was piano, he was second guitar, and he was saxophone, sometimes all at the same time in a song. So he'd have all these things hanging off his body <laughs> and be playing the piano. And that's how we met. And then Brad was William's friend. He'd known. Brad was my friend from Mississippi. I met him when I moved to Mississippi from Amsterdam. And I was at a party the first night I was back in Mississippi. And I met Brad. And I was like, hey, how's it going, man? I, I just moved back. I'm a musician. Brad was like, cool, man. I'm a drummer. I was like, cool. We should hang out. Can I sleep on your couch tonight? <laughs> and I said... I said, no. no. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know you, dude. You're kind of creeping me out. I was like, no, that's cool, man. I'm going to go try and talk to some other people. Yeah. <laughs> but we stayed friends for uh, years, and I've actually played with Brad longer than I've played with anybody in my life. And so when I moved up here, uh, Brad was living in Birmingham. I was hounding him really hard for about two years to move here, to move to Chapel Hill, to move to North Carolina and play with us. And uh, it finally worked. Yeah, we got mm-hmm. it. Every time he came, every time he came up to visit, we were like, "Hey, look at this great gig we happen to have set up. Why don't you sit in? It's like this all the time." <laughs> and now he's here. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to uh, let's go to your second album mm-hmm. because it took a completely different turn. Yes, it did. Why did you take that turn? That was a, just a weird set of circumstances that came together where I was called in to just demo some songs for a producer who was making a record of just with tracks, which is something I had never done. And uh, he liked how I sang and said, why don't you just be the singer for the whole album? And why don't you write some lyrics, which I had never done? I said, okay, I'll try anything once. So So when you say you've never written lyrics at that point. Yeah. I hadn't written songs at all. I didn't write any of the Zippers songs. They wrote songs for me. Really? Yep. So did you like that process? I did like it. It was neat. It was really cool. I would get a pad of paper and a Sharpie and just sit around, write stuff down. And Is that your process now? Do you write lyrics now constantly? I mean, usually once I somebody don't. gets in there, they start really getting into that process. Yeah, th- I have a different process. I usually start with the music now and then kind of mumble things and come up with some lines. And a lot of times I have an idea what I want the song to be about, and then I just shape it to fit now do you work off of these gentlemen when you're writing at all i do think about what they're going to play and they definitely come in and arrange and they come up with all their own parts pretty much so but she makes it very easy on us as musicians i usually try to have a song done when i show it to them Mm -hmm. presentable some some people can have hang-ups about whether or not you wrote the song or if you're one of the songwriters of the band but it's so nice when somebody brings a song that's really good to you as a musician. They're like, here's this song we've got. It's great. Do whatever your part's going to be. And you're so free because you, you don't have to worry about writing the song or you know, creating something. You can just work on your parts, and it's really pleasant. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> 
William writes really good songs too. I've written one or two, and we yeah. do his songs in the group as well. What what style of writer are you? Um, a fantastic one, really. He's like <laughs> he's like the Burt Bacharach of Eflin. I love Burt Bacharach. He he's does. a good he's writer. Like, yeah. Oh, he's the best. And every time I bust out <laughs> close to you, Brad is just about to. Because we're a band. rock and roll band, dude. It doesn't matter. Man. <laughs> we're gonna talk about this some more later. We're not lounge singers, but uh, I do rock and roll songs and things like that. So it's it's all good. And these two have their own group. They're a duo that goes out and rocks. So oh, that's wow. completely available. That power is available to me when they play with me. It's neat because they're so tight already. So just as a duo, you don't have any other outside people well, playing with you? We've played in a lot of different bands together. Like, But Brad and I as a rhythm section have been together for five or six years. And so right now we're just a duo doing kind of North Mississippi boogie music. So... It's fun and easy, and it just makes us stronger. Because as we play together more and more, it makes us stronger when we're behind Catherine. You know, she can just be on top of it, singing and, and leading us along, and we're really tight. So it's useful. No, when you guys perform live, do you have a set structure with your songs, or do you improvise a little bit from the song structure? Not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do have we have arrangements that we definitely stick to, if when, possible. So when somebody strays, does it ever make you really nervous? No, usually <laughs> someone rushes in to fill the breach, and it usually works out okay. So no, no turning around going, <laughs> that wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> There's around, somebody, their sometimes a, a little eyebrow look at somebody when you do something different. But the, the songs are very melodic. It's not like, we're going to take a solo now. You know, it's like even the solos are melodies that are, something you can lean on and, and use right. from the record. Like, you can listen to Nathan's solo parts and you can sing them. And so when Nathan's not here, I'm not trying to just take a wild solo. I'm trying to play his part, his solo, his melody. Right. So the songs are arranged fantastically. <laughs> <laughs> Arrangement is, is a really strong tool. I would right. recommend that to anybody who is writing songs to really full with the arrangements till you get something cool and make it short shorter songs yeah. there's nothing yeah. worse than a long song if your song is five or six minutes long you've got to have a lot it of stuff be, inside yeah. of there it better be really if you can make good. a two minute long song that's going to be the best song you've ever written so we keep it tight we don't just go off the handle right. jam well, you know that's interesting because a lot of kids nowadays who are listening to music their attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter so having the shorter songs probably is really advantageous yeah but if you listen to the all the buddy holly hits and the elvis yeah, Presley two, two hits, and a half. i mean they have to be two and a half minutes long to fit on the side of a single right you know it was like the chicago songs in the 70s that were seven and a half minutes long i think on chicago 18 i don't know i'm making that up but it's good to be tight and short well, when you guys uh, sat down to work on this last, this newest album, excuse me, the uh, Madly Love, mm -hmm. did you consciously sit down and say, we're going to have these textures and everything's going to fit within that mold? That makes any sense. We knew what we liked. I mean, we all knew what we, we did talk about what we liked listening to and we've all hung out together. So we've listened to music together. So we knew, you know, we knew we want tambourine on this thing. I mean, we knew some stuff like that, but the studio that we worked in is filled with beautiful equipment and so you'd go in and you'd say oh today i'm going to play this amazing organ or you know this fantastic percussion set or whatever and so where's that studio at it's called studio m and it's in durham north carolina 
And the old ceremony studio. Mark a, Simmonson yeah. owns that studio and runs it. And Tom Canova is his engineer, and he was our uh, co-producer for this. So, you know, we did go in prepared, but it was a lot of just using what was there. You had some ideas as far as um, sound in general goes, like big mar- marching drum. And yeah. Pulling things from, like, albums we had been listening to together. Elvis Perkins yeah. and things like that. I, my one, I wish we had more singing on the album. We didn't have a ton of time because we're poor. <laughs> so right. we only afford, <laughs> I think we did it in about five days. And if we could have had maybe three more days to go in and do some more layered vocal parts, I would have liked that. Right. But, the know, Well, the video clips time. I've seen, you, uh, you're singing back up. Yes, mm-hmm. I sing back up. And now, and Brad has really started singing back up a lot. Brad has a super, very, very clean, high falsetto voice, which is really useful. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and chicks really dig drummers who sing. We're going to get him one of those headphone sets like oh, Phil yeah. Collins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now he has a mic. It's not that cool, but soon we'll get one of those. I prefer the Garth Brooks model. Oh, yeah, the little one. Massive. Comes, yeah. Massive. But, uh, yeah, it's it's useful to have people singing live and and when we were making the record, it's nice to have a consistent sound with sure. just four people because we all know so many musicians and we really love them and love having them play shows with us and play on our records and stuff. But if you if you start saying, I'm going to call my favorite cello player and my favorite violin player and we're going to have this guest guitarist, the record can be kind of a big hodgepodge of all your buddies rather than a consistent sound of like right. four people in a room with the same equipment putting out a piece of work. So, well, when the producer comes in, how much does uh, how much change does the songs go through? Do they, do they metamorphosize into something else? I and mean, is there a ten percent change, twenty five percent change? He's not that kind of producer. He is a because he's an engineer, so he's really concerned with getting the sounds. Oh, sure. That's his his thing. That's and that's what we needed. I didn't need anyone to come in and say, you know, um, I knew what I wanted with right, the songs. Right. Yeah, I didn't need a boot slapper or anything. <laughs> you know. So he just he just um, makes sure you get really good vocal takes. He'll get you to do it again. And um, if you're doing if you're singing with another person, sometimes if William and I are singing, he'll say, "Look in each other's eyes while you sing." You know that it'll be better that way. And he's right. So he's just a smart man and just helpful. Really. Well, budget aside, mm-hmm. oh, I left my thought away. Radio edit. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Leave all that in. That's my favorite part. <laughs> That's the best part. Radio. Oh, man. What was I, where was I going? That's when the coffee just kicked in. Producer. Budget. Uh, the budget. <clears throat> Shit, I'll come back. Let me write that down. That'll be my buzzword. I know you'll take out my bad words, won't you? Sure. Turn them off. Bastard. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 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 <Where> the kids. <laughs> I'll, over there. <laughs> They've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, you were in the studio. Know something? I was just going to ask you about being in the studio. I do have a question for you. This might be a sensitive question for you. Uh, do you receive any royalties still from the Squirrel Nut Zippers? I do not. Really? Yeah. And I'm that, and haven't for a very long time. So that's why you guys decided to go through the uh, the Kickstarter program. Absolutely, yes. That was very yeah. successful for you. 
yes, we made our goal, which was awesome. And you didn't just make your goal, you exceeded your goal. I know. That's that's really, really that neat. Was, I admire that quite a, a bit. It was a terrifying process. I was very nervous Completely the whole Completely terrifying. Time. It was 45 de- days of terror. <laughs> well, but, for the, but it worked. But yes, no, we haven't. I, I was touring with the Zippers again several years ago and making money just from my tour income, but we haven't made uh, money off albums with that band in many, many years. Decade. So, uh, what well, did you back in the heyday? Oh, yeah. We made good money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, that's good. Yeah. We were one of, I, th- I think we were a fantastically lucky band in that way. Well, let me explain to the listeners what Kickstarter is. Um, I'm going to have to read this straight off of here. Um, it's an online service where independent investors pledge monetary increments from $1 up to thousands of dollars. And uh, it, what you did in return was you gave the pledges different gifts based on how much they donated, ranging from handwritten lyrics, which I thought was brilliant, to home performances, which was even more brilliant. And it proved very successful for you. Yeah. So. Yeah, we had some nice, we had a, you know, a handful of big donors and then a lot of folks that just did, you know, maybe 30 or $40 or right. even 10 which it all added up. Yeah, because I went, I started going through that and looking at people who have been trying to do that. Not everybody's been quite so fortunate with yeah. getting a $10 pledge, and it's like one day left. Yes. But it's interesting because you can also look at it as pre-ordering a record. Sure. You know, if if you really like an artist and they come right out and say, you know, I'm doing this Kickstarter campaign, and if you give me 30 bucks, you're gonna get the you're gonna get a record. It's gonna be autographed. It's just it's kind of like pre-ordering the record and putting your money into something you really believe in. So it's useful. Well, I remember the budget constraint question I was going to ask. So did it come to a point while you were in the studio where you had to say, well, we really need to do this a couple more times. This take's not good enough. And you had to say, well, we've got to stop because we still have to keep X amount of dollars back for duplication or replication. No, we, we didn't have that really we got our takes. We definitely, got, you know, we definitely got all of our takes. Are you a one taker? Not you. Well, a sometimes. A couple sometimes. of them. Sometimes. Really? But, and we went away. We did it in, I think we did three days, and then yeah. we went away for maybe a few weeks. We did all the bass tracks in two days. And then we went back and did, we recut a few songs that we hadn't gotten versions of that we liked. So, yeah, well, other than wanting to do some layered vocals, I've, we got everything. I mean, we got the percussion we wanted, and we uh, we did everything. I think so. I wanted to put, you know, hooked on a feeling. You know, the beginning. Like, I'm hooked on a feeling. You know, at the beginning of that song, they're like, "Ooga chaka, ooga chaka." <laughs> yeah. I had this one part on this song, "Elevate," that I wanted to overdub. Ooga chaka, ooga yeah. chaka lyrics, and so that's the only hole in the. Thank record God we for didn't me. have enough money. <laughs> Brad was like, <laughs> for that and harmonica solos. Oh, I actually put harmonica on a song, and when Catherine came in and heard it, she wept. She was <laughs> laughing so hard; tears were falling from her face. She was laughing so hard, and and then she, I deleted the. She part. deleted the part. It was so good. <laughs> Thank God. I wanted to put in the in the liner notes when I was putting down what everyone played. I wanted to put under his name, um, harmonica deleted, but he wouldn't let me. He said, he said he's a serious musician. I'm bringing it back. I couldn't do that. <laughs> well, why don't we take a break for a second and take a listen to one of your songs from this new album? Let's do it. All right. Uh, which one would you like to do today? We'll do Madly Love. All right. This is Catherine Whalen and the Fascinators. 
There was a day it was like any other day. There was a day it was like any other day. There was a night. It was like any other night. There was a night. It was like any other night. There was a sound. It was like any other sound. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. We're back with Catherine Whalen and her fascinators. And let's go back to the studio stuff a little bit. Your your style is retro. It's left of center. Uh, and there's a, pur- a purposeful old school art to it. Um, does that translate into production in the studio? Is, does it make it easy, I guess, is a better way of putting it? I think so. It's a real band playing, and we were all looking at each other. The studio, that studio set up where I was in an isolation room, but there's a glass window, so I was looking out at the rest of the guys, and they were in a circle. So there's all these sight lines, and we're all just looking at each other and watching each other's hands and staying connected, just like real musicians playing together. So the basic tracks were pretty much live. Mm-hmm. Well, they have to be. Yep. So now that actually, when I was talking about one takes a minute ago, I was actually more referring to vocals. So that's interesting. How many takes usually for the the band to get it right? We would do, I would say, say one to three, maybe four. One to three or four. You just have to get in the groove. We usually do two or three, and then we all pretty much think, oh, number two is the best when we go back and listen Mm -hmm. and then move on. And uh, my vocals would be scratch vocals, but sometimes I would end up keeping most of that my takes that I did live with the group. Wow, that's good. Not have to recut. Wow, that's good. Um, since you have the uh, the retro style, do you prefer the advantages of digital, or do you prefer to go analog, or did you go analog for this? This was all. Um, this was digital, right? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't go to tape or anything. It doesn't matter. I was, I was <laughs> tape, a recording tape sounds engineer. good. It sounds good, but I was a recording engineer for years, and it doesn't matter. You know, you can get hung up on is it digital or analog and stuff like that, and it's just it it's just arbitrary. Like you should be more concerned is are your songs good? Is your guitar good? Is your amp good? 
are your strings new and good and in tune and stuff like the digital and analog question to me always just seems not not as important you know right. people get hung up on it and people get hung up on making their records and taking a long time to make their records correcting right. mistakes in and pro it, tools and, and it just kills jazz. you it just it just kills you inside you know you just you get in a room with people that you practice with and you have good instruments and you play and then you know it comes out good it's a very traditional form of recording I right mean, going way back it's how people used to do it just yeah. live completely singing to the can and then you do it you replicate it live you know, in a performance atmosphere. Because you're going to hear it. I mean, we could make it on analog tape, but then everybody's going to download it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's yeah. going to listen to it through their iPod headphones and stuff like right. that. Yeah. And they're going to listen to it through their car. Or yeah, it's more important nowadays that it sound good through computer speakers. That's or, right. Or literally Absolutely. through people's cell phones. Yeah. And if you want to be a contender, it used to be you just needed to sound good on radio, FM right. radio or AM radio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which we were on the other day. We were on AM Maybe radio. you heard us, 1360 AM. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Brad called. We did, a, we did a little morning show, and we did a little performance, <laughs> me and Brad and a friend of ours. And, um, and he calls me in the evening. He says, we're on the radio. And so we turn on the radio and in the kitchen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was really fun. Well, that's awesome. But, so, so, so I guess our point is that we're, we're definitely down with the modern technology because... It works and it Absolutely. sounds good. Where were you an engineer? See, there it goes. <laughs> hey, William, where were you an engineer at? Whoa, <laughs> keep that. That yeah. was good. that was great. Where were you an engineer at? I was. I went to school for to be an engineer at the University of Memphis, and then I was an engineer in uh, Mississippi for years. Really? Yeah. So, any production or just engineering? I was a no. I was produced. I. Produced records, over 150 records, wow. and played on them and just made it useful. That's why I was able to get jobs being a multi-instrumentalist, because I learned how to play piano and guitar and mandolin, like the weird instruments that sometimes you need on a record sure, and stuff sure. like that. So it's useful. It's just another tool you can have. Well, Catherine, you're a multi-instrumentalist as well. Only a four-string instruments that are tuned to G. <laughs> but yet, a niche. A I like niche that. that I fill. I fill well. I do. What are your instruments? I have a, well, I have an electric tenor guitar that I play for shows, and I have some acoustic tenor guitars, and I have a banjo and some baritone ukuleles. So let's describe to the listening audience the difference between a standard guitar and a tenor guitar. That's good. Uh, well, tenor guitar has four strings. Um, I tune mine to an open G, which is more like a banjo. Mm-hmm. string banjo tuning uh, there is a tuning for tenor guitars which I've never learned it's it's a mystery it's a mystery to me but yeah and so I you know I have um, I can make all the chord patterns that I need to I always played that with the zippers so I had a lot of jazz chord patterns and I'm embarrassed to say that I am a session guitarist and had never heard of a tenor guitar until just now oh wow not much of a guitar player, I guess. They were. Well, they're, <laughs> they're kind of uncommon. They were popular in sort of cowboy bands. They were right. popular in um, some of those bands from like the twenties uh, and thirties that had, you know, sixteen stringed instruments. And uh, then they were popular again in the sixties in folk bands. The folksmen did, or the New Main Street Singers had a. Uh, <laughs> they had a tenor, tenor guitar. Yeah, player. one of the lead singers. The lead singers. Played they're good. I like them. Yeah. So they, yeah. It was more, it's a rhythm instrument. And there was a band leader, Eddie Condon, I think his name was. And he was the band leader of a big band, like a Benny Goodman type band. And right. he played one. 
as he lived. So basically, again. like five people throughout history have played it. <laughs> Nico Case plays one. Six. Sometimes. Wasn't he in the cars? He was in the cars. Nico Case? Nico that was Case a, is It a, was a joke. Uh, oh. Case. I met her in a van in Canada on an airport ride we, from a festival to the airport. And I was like, Catherine plays tenor guitar too. You guys should get together and hang out. And she was like, maybe. <laughs> no, it hasn't she has a very deep voice. Did she? <laughs> she said, hello, baby. No, she <laughs> No, she said we could have sashes. Or was that your idea? You could have... Tenor guitar sashes, and you could have yeah, a badge. Yeah, like contestants. Yeah. <laughs> I was big on those. I made those for everybody to wear for a while. <laughs> we Remember did that? have a lot of sashes we for did. a period. <laughs> it's really funny when you make your interviewer put one on. They feel very embarrassed. It's hard to remember how I felt. They walk in beauty like the night. Send the women and children first To cloudless climbs and starry skies When I dream, when I dream I dream of love You laugh and you cry cause you're made that way My head was in passion, my heart in rhyme I shook when we parted and Okay, we're back with Catherine Whalen and her fascinators. Now, uh, your uniqueness and your niche style, do you ever feel that it pigeonholes you to the point where you can't have opportunities that are available to somebody in mainstream pop? Ooh. I don't, I don't think so. I don't feel pigeonholed because I've definitely, I mean, I started in a swing band and then I right. um, was in a country band for a long time and then I did the jazz thing and I did the pop thing with the tracks and the, all that stuff. Right. And, and now I think I'm doing a different sound than all that. So I don't feel pigeonholed. Are you pigeonholing me? No, and you know what? Actually, when you described it right there, it made me feel that question was very narrow. That wasn't yeah. that wasn't very fair. Well, but but fairly, some of that stuff just took place locally at home, and no one ever heard any of it. Right, um, right. But as far as a national release, I think I think I'm always going to sound the way I sound because I have oh, this. My voice is just the way right. it is. But right. I think this is different, certainly, than my first work that people sure. have heard. How are you guys going to uh, distribute your album? We have a distributor, actually. We, totally. We got one. Um, we were going to release our album in August, and then we um, have a distributor that's going to help us out. And so we're going to release in September because they're supposedly stocking the stores. <laughs> Independent record stores is their specialty. Well, and so it won't be in a Target or a Walmart unless there's demand. So. Well, I hope there is if demand. If you live somewhere and you can't get to a record store, a regular record store, just call your target and say, please stock this record. And they'll do it. They really will. I think the people that run the record sections, a lot of times it's a labor of love. Sure. Um, yeah. Now, Chapel Hill is obviously uh, a hot spot for you guys. Mm-hmm. Are there others that you know of that you, uh, when you guys start touring, you make sure you're going to hit those spots? Charlotte. 
Charlotte, I mean, the Hickory was wonderful. We, I think Hickory was our biggest crowd, honestly, that we've played to. It was a good one. A wild success. I mean, and more in Chapel Hill, they're, they're probably sick of us. Totally. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to show up in Chapel Hill and be like, hey, guys. They're like, we know you. You you walk on the street yeah. every day. And I used to do, I did so many gigs for free and benefits and stuff all through being in other bands that paid well that now people kind of will think that I could still do that. I'm just like, no, I'm actually a waitress now. <laughs> oh, no kidding. You know, I'd like to be paid when I come. Well, you know, that was a question I was going to ask you is what you guys are doing uh, outside of, of this outfit. Yeah, because well, everybody has to do about three jobs to survive. So I do wait tables. Um, I do wait tables at lunchtime in Hillsboro, which is a town near us. And right. then I also make fascinators and headbands and decorate hats and sell those. You make these guys? Yes. Actually, we have had hats from Catherine. <laughs> yeah. So fascinators for people who don't know, um, maybe didn't catch the royal wedding where they wore a lot of them, are small things you wear on your head. They're sort of smaller than a hat. Um, they're a hair accessory with feathers and ribbons and different things. Fanciful things you wear. And she makes you wear them all the time. No, yep. we made them a line of uh, summer Holiday summer hats. Nassau hats. This summer, and they wore those around. Um, let me see. Let's talk about Amy Winehouse for a second. Okay. Well, because I think there, I think there's a relative uh, thread right there. Not her, her bad side. But do you think that that she was the neo swing style? Mm-hmm. I would say I think that's the right category. Now she helped bring back some of that sound. Are you guys ever going to try to pull from that too into your current project now? That, that, that question correct? I don't know if I well, asked that right. I think she was doing. Um, she was really into early R and B and and soul, and that was. Um, I've read that she had a fantastic record collection, and just you know, her sound was an homage to that, and she was very well suited to that. Her voice mm-hmm. was perfect right. for that, and her recording where she used the Dap Kings, which is Sharon Jones's backing band, which is where it's really at. Totally. They are a yeah. fabulous band. If you ever We'd get love to go to sound see like them. That. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, you, I'd love to sound like the Sharon Kings. Jones and the Dap Kings. But, uh, well, do you guys ever pull any Squirrel Nut Zipper songs into your current set? We have one that we do. We do My Drag, actually. Um, we put it in the set about a year ago, uh, requested by a bride at a wedding that we played. And it was so fun to play. We have a new, we do it a different way than we, you know, the Zippers did it. And it was so fun that we've just left it in. I, so, uh, yeah. I own a marketing company, uh, online web design, that kind of stuff. And, of course, like there's any offline web design. <laughs> Geek. Anyway, um, but when I call, I'm a GoDaddy reseller, so when mm-hmm. I call them, uh, speak to my account manager, uh, Hell Place. As the, I've heard that. That's been going on forever. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you should call. <laughs> I really do. I think you should call one day and say, uh, <laughs> that's that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Kill myself. No. I'm on hold I'm not and in I'm, the, not, I'm not in money. those revenue streams, so I just don't. Is that frustrating? It can be very frustrating to, you know, be watching a Disney movie and there you are singing a song and you know you're not getting paid. Yes, it can be frustrating, but I don't dwell on stuff like that. Oh, I would. <laughs> no. I'd be like, I would develop yeah. ticks and. <laughs> it, it's not a way to live. It's better no. just to figure it all it's all going to come out in the wash it's better to make new music than rather try and live off of some one little thing you did when you were fifth you know 15 years ago or something that right. would make you a really bitter weird person right yeah that's a good point 
how long are you going to support Madly Love? As long as it takes. Forever. No, I think I think we won't probably necessarily do another full-length album again. I think there's going to be a new way that people put music out. I've loved doing this this time, but I think we'll probably put out a song at a time in some fashion. That's interesting. That's my new plan that's I'm circulating around. I think it's gone through this big circle where it started out as singles, you know, like in the like 40s and before the that. 50s. Like they would make you get Charlie Patton to sing into a can and he'd have two or three songs and it was released. And then all through the 50s and 60s, you were putting out singles, you know, and records were just compilations of your singles. Sure. And then in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s with Chicago 1 through 32 and stuff like that, you'd make a record and that was a big deal. But now I think it's gone this whole big circle where people are making singles again. Right. You know? That's what I'd like to do. And then, and then my fantasy is that someone would step in and collect them into a collection. And well, maybe you could step into. Me. Well, yeah, maybe. Hey, I yeah. pull this out for a second, uh, Chris. I actually started doing that about three years ago because we do a lot of cover tunes. We have to. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I record every song in the studio to make sure I can do it because I'm not that great a singer. And get this full production. We we used all these pre-recorded backups. I mean, it's, it sounds huge. Mm -hmm. It sounds great. It actually makes us a lot more popular than what we deserve. Um, every song that we do, I put online. I call it the never-ending album. And you nice. can download it for free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Covering the Nation. And it's, just, and it's I've probably got 40 songs in it now. Mm -hmm. And I took it down to put up our new website, and I've been getting hate mail from it. Cool. So it works. Yeah. Cool. it works. It yeah. works. That's what I'm thinking of trying to do. Except I know these people, and I know where they live. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, okay, you can take that. We can go back in. You let, You were still recording. Well, yeah, but I can chop it up. Oh, okay. I, I don't want me on here. Okay, uh, any music you despise? Ooh. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to say. Just <laughs> fake music. Just, like... I don't know. Just, I find just auto fake auto tune sounds so bad. Hard on my ears. Yeah, it's really rough. I wouldn't want to say I hated anything. I mean, I figure the person's trying their best. Or, sure, sure. You know, yeah. So fake I, music with no, no heart or soul and no point to it. But it might That's, not be fake to someone else. So yeah, we, oh, it's like so, we can't judge. Yeah. We can't judge. I'm that. not naming names. <laughs> Stop judging. <over> <laughs> Well, thinking names. I'm going to feud. I'm going to start a feud. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do uh, – this is getting to the last part of our little interview here. I appreciate you guys coming out today. We and when I say guys, I mean androgynously. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel right now. Androgynously? Yeah. Hello, baby. <laughs> this is the Word Association Phrase Association. I'm going to throw out a couple of odds and ends, and you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. You can do it all together, or you can do it one at a time. <laughs> let's do it all together to sound like a mess. Yeah. Happens, yeah. Okay, so here's the first. Libya. Rabbit King. Gaddafi. <laughs> I do have a song called Rabbit King that's about the the dictators, all the all the dictators that people are trying to run off. Right. So yeah, so Rabbit King. I'm going with Brad. That's the name of the song that I wrote about that. <laughs> Excellent. I knew that. That's why I put that in there. Oh. Yeah. I had a charming thing. interviewer. <laughs> um Lady Gaga. So what? <laughs> no, I just saw a photograph of her in the New York Times, and she was dressed in menswear, and she looked really cool. She had sideburns. Yeah. Ooh. That was neat. That's so. her alter ego. Attractive. Yeah. Brad yeah. and I have a single coming out called Money Honey, and oh, it's coming out in a week or two, and 
I looked up on YouTube to see if my video had uploaded for it, and apparently there's a Lady Gaga song called Money Honey. Dang it. I was like, what? That should help with your page views. just change your song to Honey Money. No, it's Money Honey. <laughs> I ripped this song off of Rykooter. I didn't rip it off of Lady Gaga. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was really against her when she first came out, and then I saw her perform just with a piano and voice, and was like, Flipping out, couldn't believe how good she was. I mean, it's such a raw, raw talent. I don't care for all the the, uh, the notice me, yeah, the notice me, notice me stuff. But uh, raw talent, she's there for a reason. That's but, awesome. Yeah, uh, poor house in Raleigh. Jack Kane. Oh, Jack Kane. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been here long enough. Yeah, he, you haven't played over there. Yeah, Jack Kane. That's what. I'll He's go our with friend that answer. runs that place, runs the sound there. He's a sweetheart. He yep. was uh, on tour with the Zippers for a long time. He was our... Really? Yeah. He was on the road with us. I uh, I love that place. I haven't yeah. played there. Do you there know all... Jack? No. Well, you know what? That may not be true. I've probably met him. Uh-huh. Uh, playing he out says, there. it's me, it's me, it's J-A-C. No. <laughs> okay. It's good to have a trademark. That's one of it. He has several. Hello, baby. Yeah. Like uh, sober moment here. Uh, 9-11 anniversary. That's yeah. That is sobering. Yeah. Wow. It's been that long. Mm-hmm. Well, do you guys remember where you were? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was in the middle of West Tennessee at my grandfather's house for my great aunt's funeral, and oh. my uncle from the city was down there, thankfully, because he works near that area. Um, but it was very sobering to talk to him and see him emote about the whole situation. So, West Tennessee, thank goodness. I was all in the middle of nowhere. I was in Memphis. I was all the way on the edge. And it was college and every, all the classes were canceled. Yeah, I was just at home and um, my daughter was, had been born in April, so she was really small. And I remember hearing about it, hearing on NPR. I don't have TV, so I would just hear everything on NPR and thinking it was really sad and sad for her that she had to be born in this time period that things are going to be very very different right that's what i remember thinking uh lastly smartphone apps what like angry birds <laughs> I, wish I, don't, I had a yeah my phone is dumb. i still have my phone <laughs> that i've phone. had for how old is my cell phone I mean, one billion years my cell phone is like 15 years old or something it's the oldest like, i just go <laughs> in and get got, a battery put in she got an upgrade they forced her they're like no you get an upgrade this is a much better phone they and they gave it to her me and then she had to go back to the store and said please give me my old phone back so a smartphone app it means nothing to yeah, me. Yeah, it's, it's out of our realm. <laughs> my very old Motorola that I have. Yeah. Yeah, what I don't like about uh, smartphones is they're so thin because if I'm speaking to somebody, I mean, if I do this, this is a touch screen, so it'll hang up on them. Oh. It happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I used to have my very first phone, which I still have the same phone number from 96, 97. I don't like to switch. Old girlfriends, he still has the same phone number. <laughs> five, 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 five. Hello, baby. But it was, a, it was a thick phone, and I could talk like this. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a Zach Morris model. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't like him for that reason. <laughs> well, Brad, Catherine, William, thanks for coming in today. Thank you. This is great. Thanks. thanks for gracing us with your presence and giving Glad us a wonderful performances, and I hope that you can play us another song and Let's take us out. Let's do it. In the far, far, I like 
been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.